you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. Hey, you want to talk about football? I'll come on down to Tybee Island. I'll, I'll get you drunk. We'll talk about ball. I'll teach you things you don't know. That's me, Chris Wesley. David. Football. Football David. The Dave Damashek Football Program. Available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. Welcome to the Dave Damashek Football Program. You just heard his voice. Chris Wessling from around the NFL is upcoming. So, too, is handsome Hank Hodgson. Doug Farrar, the lead scout from Bleacher Report, is going to take on Chris Wessling. These two have a little division. They have both looked at the game tape of one Colin Kaepernick but come to very different conclusions. One says he is still a viable starter in the NFL. The other one says, no, no, don't listen to all the stuff about teams not wanting to sign him because of kneeling before during the national anthem this is a football-based matter why teams are avoiding him right now so we'll dig in on that much else to get to first let's say hello to my main man seated to my immediate left all the way from london england he serves as our miami dolphins fan it's handsome hank He's handsome, he's handsome, he's handsome. Hello, handsome. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Thank you, Dave. How are you? I'm doing well, and my heart is full. Uh, last night, uh, me and my uh, my oldest, uh, you know, baby Oprah, she's not a baby really anymore. Right. She's almost 10 years of age. Wow. 
and about seven years or so ago, you might recall, they re-released Beauty and the Beast, the yes. animated gem from Disney. That was the first movie that she and I ever saw together that, uh, that I took her to. Actually, not true. I took her to see Cars Part 2, but about like 19 minutes in, she declared she didn't like the movie, so we left. Then a, uh, a month or two later, Beauty and the Beast, we went made it the whole way through. She loved it right. and all that. Now she's not as much into the princesses anymore, but I said for nostalgia's sake, we have to now go to this movie again. We did a dinner. It was like one of those, uh, you know, five, daddy uh, date. Yeah, kind of things, right. you know. But uh, have you taken in uh, Beauty and the Beast? I haven't yet, yet no, but uh, there's a there's a request out there for me to, to take uh, my daughter to From your daughter. She would like me to take her to it, and I would very much like to as well. Yeah, it was good times. And uh, now let's also say hello to uh, to the guy seated to your immediate left, handsome Hank, the aforementioned one from around the NFL. Make sure you read his pages at NFL.com. Make sure you're listening to him thrice weekly with his pals, nay, his fellow heroes from around the NFL. It's Chris Wessing. What's the poop, fellow? Great to be here. Handsome Hank still has the best intro in the business. You think so, eh? I do. It's It's a piece of art. I like, uh, yeah, well, we have uh, everybody who's a regular here, or mo- just about everybody has their own theme song and everything, and that does seem to be the leader in the clubhouse. Ike Taylor does not like. In fact, he, he outright uh, every time resents Handsome. Because he does. He feels it's so much better than his. I, just think, I, think, Han- Ike's I think Ike's fine. Also, he's had five different versions of it made. Now, <laughs> his so. most recent one's pretty catchy, though. Yeah. I-K-E-T-A-Y-L-O-R. Born in Gretna, uh-huh. All right, that's right, that's We enough. get the point. We but get. I do find myself singing that in the shower, which means that it, it's catchy. Yeah. Well, yeah it's I, I, weird to be singing about Ike Taylor in the shower, <laughs> but then, but no one's asked me yet. Ike Taylor. Chris Wessling, you're growing a goatee, I see. Yeah, I went back to Cincinnati for the weekend. My father had a goatee from the time I was born until he passed away a few years ago. So it was a bit of a tribute to him as I was going back to Cincy. Oh, that's it's cool. good. And I like it. It's it. a good one. You'll now hold I think on I might keep it for a while, yeah. I think it looks strong. Yeah. Cincinnati Red Legs about to commence with uh, the 2017 season. You're sick about that. The, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, you famously have uh, dismissed as your as your resident. Uh, they don't they no longer hold your heart like well, they once did. They left me at the altar in the, in the 90s, and, and they're not about to get me back. But I do, the Reds are about my uh, one remaining sports loyalty from childhood. I still am a San Antonio Spurs fan, but the Reds are the one team that I can claim from childhood till now. Rumors out there that uh, the Bengals are interested in one Joe Mixon, the uh, the star-crossed <laughs> uh, elite running back uh, from uh, Oklahoma and uh, and from at least uh, briefly a jail cell. Um, what is where, how, where do you come down on that? Joe Mixon, Cynthia Freeland has sat in this very studio and declared if her Detroit Lions take them, she will refuse to root for them. And Maurice Jones-Drew has sat exactly where you're sitting and said he's the best player in the draft. Also true. I am for second chances. I'm also for acknowledging mistakes. And if you're willing to acknowledge mistakes and show remorse, I think you deserve a second chance, not third and fourth chances, but a second chance. Whether that belongs in the Bengals or not, that is a franchise that tends to change their mind every four or five years on whether they want to surround themselves with a bunch of troubled players with character risks or whether they're going to discard all those guys and start fresh. So maybe they're, you know, after hearing Mike Brown's comments on Pac-Man Jones, 
Maybe they're going back the other way again, playing the villain card. I don't know. I I, I just think it's I it just sounds so uh, so obviously gross when it's like, well, no, we're not going to touch him with a first round pick. Well, day two though, yeah, no, no, then then we can go for it. Yeah, that, uh, thank you for pointing out the hypocrisy there. Yeah, there, there is there's an inconsistency that's hard to reconcile. What do you suppose? I mean, I I mean, I guess the business side of it uh, of that logic goes. If you use a first round pick on him, you're paying him more money. He's easier to to dump if he's a, a fourth round pick. But it sounds like he's going to land somewhere right in the middle there, like a second round pick. So the fan base can be outraged if you burn the first round pick. But if he's a day two pick, it's like all right, well, all right, well, see, they didn't fully embrace him. They use yeah, <laughs> that's not the case. He's either on your draft board and you draft him where he needs to be drafted or he's not. All right, let's talk about another running back, a more high-profile one, even though he spent uh, the 2016 season in retirement, although he was more ubiquitous than just about uh, any pro football player from his trips to the U.K. and the uh, and, uh, football fields, driving around carts in, uh, in Berkeley. Marshawn Lynch, a.k.a. Beast Mode, he supposedly – is interested in coming back to the Raiders. But then, as we discussed on the podcast earlier this week, maybe this Vegas thing throws that out of whack. But, of course, that shouldn't impact him. Or- Not at all. I mean, in fact, that the reason that he's been linked, I think, if you if you join the dots, is that they've got to play in Oakland for at least one or two more years, and this might be the thing that, that draws the crowds. That, yeah, but that you're... He's a hometown guy, and he's he's going to come there. But East Bay natives are outraged about this. Right, so but, it, but, of, but they but this isn't news. They're like, yeah, it is news. They're moving to Vegas, but it's not news because we knew they were moving to Vegas. Well... Bef- I, long before um, Marshawn Lynch got connected to them. I don't want to seem like an icy soul here. Certainly, I've, I've come close as a Pittsburgh sports fan a couple of times to uh, to my teams moving to different places, and, and uh, I, I become outraged at the notion that anyone right. would dare think about moving one of my teams out of uh, off the banks of the Three Rivers. I get where they're coming from, Oakland Raiders fans specifically, but one – it's not like they've been in your life the whole time. They, they were in L.A. for most of well, I mean, I guess younger people out there can only remember the Oakland Raiders, but the L.A. Raiders were a thing not that long ago in my brain. One and two, it could be a lot worse. They could have wound up in San Antonio or St. Louis, and then you have no tie to them. You're now just an hour plane flight away if you want to stay engaged in your in your favorite football team. And, uh, and three – this ain't like the Art Modell moving them suddenly, moving the Browns to Baltimore with no notice, or the Colts moving from Baltimore to Indianapolis. The Raiders, first of all, rumored for a long time they've been asking for a new stadium forever, and for four straight years they've been thirtieth or worse in attendance percentage. So I, I'm not sure exactly. I feel bad for Raiders fans. Uh, don't get me wrong, but you know that that kind that the math kind of works out there if you're if you're Mark Davis, right? When you know and are familiar with the underhanded, borderline nefarious way in which Al Davis acquired that franchise, it's hard to kind of be okay with the fact that Mark Davis wouldn't take on a billionaire to help him build a stadium in Oakland and be part of ownership. That's all right. Yeah. I, I dig, now, that's that's some sound logic there. All right, let's talk Marshawn Lynch, though. Let's say he does decide to sign with the Oakland Raiders. And by the way – 
I know everybody's talking about how how running back rich the upcoming draft is, but as it stands right now, this is a Super Bowl contender, these Oakland Raiders, and they don't have really a feature back right now. So, I, uh, you know, uh, short of drafting somebody in the draft, they need Marshawn Lynch to jump in, or maybe Jamal Charles for that matter. Let's say it is Lynch, though. Does this make them the AFC favorite to go to the Super Bowl West? I start with you. No, I don't think it does. Oh, I'm, by the way, this question comes to us on Twitter from at Coach Western. Thank you for the question. Look at this in two different ways. One, are they better than, say, the Patriots or the Steelers? The Patriots should be head and shoulders above everyone right now, I believe, by the strength of the roster. And second of all, who's Marshawn Lynch right now? Last time we saw him, he played half a season and was outplayed by Thomas Rawls. So if you look at the first one, this is a defense. The Raiders give up the most yards per play in franchise history. They're not a Super Bowl caliber defense. So, no, I don't think the Raiders have a roster that can compete with the Patriots right now. And Marshall Lynch isn't going to change it. Right. I mean, and I don't know. You mentioned Jamal it's Charles. It's a huge wild card, at least, what is, which Marshawn Lynch is right. going to be. Right. right. Did a year off rest his legs? He's running behind one of the best offensive lines in football now. That, yeah. There are questions there. Mm-hmm. But you, as you say, there's Jamal Charles, there's Adrian Peterson. So, of the veterans out there, I'm not even sure Marshawn Lynch is the best of the three options there. And then you've got a rookie class full of, apparently – good running backs who would you want most out of the trio of uh of all pro runners that you just named there if you can believe that jamal charles can repair himself like he did the last time i would go with him behind as west says in that one offense? of the better offensive lines you know the one thing i know it's a, this is I, I really am cherry picking and this is very anecdotal of uh two games but for what it's worth adrian peterson two biggest games of his career he fumbled he and he uh, fumbled away the season you know, he did that for the Is Vikings. Is that predictive? No, no, I'm just saying. No, just for what it's worth. Okay. You know, we do it for I, – I certainly do it for QBs who give up – who g- throw big picks in big games. I think it's fair, fair. To, to throw it out on Adrian Peterson that he is – people who want to hold him up as perhaps the greatest running back of the Super Bowl era, which goes a little too far, obviously. Oh, come on now. Well, people like to make these uh, hyperbolic conversations. These people are 17 years old. Right. But <laughs> but but for what it's worth, you can't really count as the best running back of all time if you fumbled away the, the biggest games that you've ever played yeah, in. Absolutely. Yet he would be easily my choice in this question. Really? He's a physical freak unlike any of those guys, and he's a year and a half away from leading the NFL in rushing. I don't think that just because he played two games last year behind one of the worst offensive lines we've ever seen and didn't do well, that gives us some kind of insight into who he is now. And I'm kind of shocked that all of these NFL teams, their group think really amazes me year after year. Why is no one willing to say this guy led the league in rushing a year and a half ago? Let's take a chance on him. He could be the missing piece. I, I think probably – I agree with you, I think, but I think the answer at the moment is because it's such a good draw for running backs, I think it's going to come down to who doesn't get the guy that they want to get at the – in the position they want to get them in the draft. And then those guys, like a bunch of other players that have been talked about during during the last couple of months that haven't been signed yet, are going to fly off the shelves because we didn't get the quarterback, we didn't get the running back, we didn't get the, the corner that we wanted. And so this All is this- the time to bring those guys in. And it's not that's not new. No, I know, but it's a funny – it now makes me excited for the upcoming conversation about Colin Kaepernick because NFL quarterbacks, it's sort of the inverse. You know, a, 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 a tenured running back who has great deeds left on the gridiron over the last decade isn't as valuable as a, as a rookie fresh out of college. I, I would rather have Dalvin right. Cook or Leonard Fournette than Adrian Peterson, straight up. I mean, Exactly. I, You're going to pay them less. That sounds gonna, crazy. And they've got more – more chance to, to do stuff for you over the next 10 years. But it's funny you would two. never say that about a guy who has achieved something as a quarterback who's 32. You would never say that. Like, yeah, but give me the rookie. You know, I'll take the rookie yeah. QB and take a flyer on that guy. Would the Raiders 
have – has anybody had this conversation properly? What would have been the 2016 AFC playoff result if the Raiders – if Derek Carr doesn't get hurt? I love doing the what if. Let's do it right now. I don't think anybody's played this one out, or at least to my knowledge. Derek Carr doesn't get hurt, so the Raiders then hold on and win the West. That makes them – the, Yeah, that makes them the two – For sure. I think so, right? Isn't that how it would have played out I there? think the last week uh, – well, I mean, I, I guess you're projecting wins, but I, the Chiefs got pretty hot towards the end of the season. So you think the Raiders still wind up playing in Houston in the wild card round? I'm not sure that that's right. I guess we should know that uh, for certain before. Raiders lose at Denver in week 17. That's would, right. would they have would, won would that they, game? Would they have won that game? I don't know. All right, but let's say for fun that they do, because right, then that really flips okay. things okay. and turns it around. Fair the enough. Chiefs would have beaten the Texans yeah. in Houston? No question. They would have won that yes. game. So then the second round becomes what? The divisional round. Now this gets confusing. The Patriots would host the Chiefs in the divisional round. And the Steelers would have hosted the, uh, the Raiders. Ooh. Or would the Raiders have hosted the Steelers? Yeah, the Raiders, Raiders would have hosted yes. the Steelers. Yep. Oh, my. What a playoff game for So the Patriots smoked the Chiefs. Probably. And their deficient quarterback who refuses to throw past the sticks. <laughs> yeah, they the Patriots win that game. I think the Steelers beat the Raiders, but you could if you're a Raiders fan, you could certainly make a strong case that the Raiders were What would that game have looked like? Raiders at Patriots for uh for the trip to Super Bowl fifty one. How does that game turn out, Wes? I think the Patriots were clearly the stronger team. If you look at the Raiders most of their wins came down to the wire. It wasn't like they were dominating teams. And when the Ra- when the Patriots are clicking, they're dominating teams. I just wonder, you know, the way that they're built, I wonder if Derek Carr, I mean, it would have been a big moment for the kid to drop them into. I think the it, Patriots score 40 on the Raiders. Well, the yeah. thing, you know, the same thing. I, I, They win by 25. I'm cynical about what Levy and Bell claims that uh, had he not gotten hurt that they would have won that game. I don't think that. But I do think that the Steelers, and I said it all through the season, had, you know, the, the chance that they had, the puncher's chance that they had was that they might win a shootout up there, that they might win a 38-34 kind of game. I think the Raiders could have done the same thing up there. And I think that they, if, if, you, if Derek Carr really attacked – um, all day long, really attack that Patriots defense with uh, with the pass catchers he has. I, I could see it's them. It's easy to say if yeah. you ignore the fact that the Patriots had the number one defense in football. That's an easy statement. <laughs> now, we'll just have a shootout. You know, we'll just have one. <laughs> hey, we came up here for a shootout. I'm like, yeah, I don't know why Roethlisberger why? didn't say that coming right. out of the locker room for but the second guys, half. It's like, a shootout this game. <laughs> all I know is, you know, I mean, I do. I I want to believe it that Levy and Bell's right. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is, if he hadn't been hurt, there is a, a decent case that at minimum the Steelers go to the locker room tied or in the lead in that AFC. Well, I, in a lot of NFL games, you, you say if one or two plays would have gone differently in that game, I think the Steelers needed like nine or ten plays to go differently in that game. Well, no, the thing that you they, that was never going to change, that there was nothing that was going to be happening on the Steelers' offensive side of the ball that would have changed Chris Hogan just running wide open uh, for uh, basically for 60 minutes that day, which goes back to the shootout point. And I do think that Levy and Bell grinding on you a little bit re- limits the possessions, limits the opportunity for the for the Patriots. Anyway, listen, let's not live life in the rearview mirror. What do you think of uh, Jay Cutler's butt, Wes? It's, it's you know he had a better bod than I would have expected. 
mid-season form. That Tuchus is, yeah. at least. He's, I don't know why he's still out. on. When I see that Tuchus, it says to me, hey, I'm ready to play GMs. Yeah, I get behind that. Yeah, right? He, he wasn't saying this is the end? No, he's saying I'm really good. Yeah. Let's uh, let's get to the bottom. Well, of if he wasn't Conner. being blackballed right now, he'd have a job. Whoa. You think he's being blackballed? Eh? I mean, it's the same logic. Yeah. Um, I hey, thought, I thought you were making another anatomy joke. Though. Oh. I thought I, I was too. I was trying to figure it out, but like, <laughs> oh, there's no wordplay right. here. All right. Um, hey, <laughs> the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are rumored to be looking to go back to their 1960. Well, they're sexy. They are sexy. <laughs> 19 sexy uh, gems of uniforms, that emerald green, just just heavenly stuff. Browns also say that come 2020, they realize what the rest of the world knew the instant they saw pants that said the word Browns written on them in orange, no less. Browns written in orange. No one else cares about that, that that's a ridiculous thing, or, or that you need to say the word Browns. You're a pro football team. People know who you are. You don't have to write your name on your on your pants, like uh, like they might get picked up by another kid at uh, at preschool. Put his name in there so no one else picks him up and carries. <laughs> no, that's your ball. No, that's no no. Don't let no see property of Browns. Don't try and make off with those uh, Ravens. Those are our pants. Um, you make a compelling argument, oh. and I'm not going to argue with that. Oh, thank you, Mean Joe Green. I encourage you. <laughs> They demand that you go back and listen to my interview with Mean Joe. It was a heavenly 15 minutes for me, at least. I think you'll enjoy it, too. Great stuff on the 79 postseason. Really good uh, insights on that. Some some surprising tales, too. And it's all punctuated with what I regard as one of the top five moments in DDFP history. Mean Joe has a new book out, and I said, uh, hey, maybe – uh, Bengals and Browns fans can pick it up so they can see the right way to go about your business. And he said, no, they're banned. They're not allowed oh, to, to read it. <laughs> <laughs> Living up to his mean, name. Mean Joe ban- <laughs> banning people. And I'm taking uh, this this cause up myself. If you cross me, I'm going to ban you from listening to this show. So mind your P's and Q's, everybody within the sound of my voice. Um, handsome, I'll start with you. Let's say – that uh, you're looking at all 32 teams. Who needs to go back to the- – oh, one other. This one slips through the cracks on for most people. Eddie Spaghetti handed me this. Eddie, behind the glass, said, uh, the changes this year to the uniforms are minor, nothing really noteworthy. The Detroit Lions are getting rid of the black accents. In the- that's good. To me, that's huge news. Yeah, yeah. Oh, go back to the Eric Hipple, Billy Sims look. Oh, yeah. that uh, much cleaner without the black. Handsome. A team in the NFL can go back to other uniforms – who are you nominating? Uh, I well, on the Eagles, if they're going to go back, they need to have the splayed eagle wing on their helmet. What do you mean? Rather than you know the the old fashioned one with the big silver wings. Oh yeah, that yeah, was beautiful. Yeah. Well, that's what it will be. I, I know that's yeah. what, but I'm but whether it's just the jersey or the actual the whole lot because that was beautiful and that color green was beautiful. Oh yeah, it's a striking Kelly emerald yeah. green and the, my only concern with that uniform legitimately is. On the road, what's it going to look like? It'll, it'll be a little. It'll yeah, be it's a white. Little it's snooze. nice. It's it's. Eh. You know what the uniform of the Eagles that gets slept on a little bit too much is the Ron Jaworski, you know, the one they wore in the Super Bowl. That right. with the gray. Yeah, that's for what, no good reason. Well, that's they, the one I'm talking about. It's sort of silvery gray, though. You know, that's the way it'll go this time around. They'll take that metallic gray look that I get the the Lions have a little bit of, and and put that out there. Wes, how's that? That's say a beautiful you? look. Well, first, of all, I want to say I'm not just trying to curry fa- curry favor with the host here, but. I continue to be bulled away, impressed with your batting average on uniforms. Thank you. Whenever you weigh in, I am almost 100% in agreement. Well, that means a lot, Wes. That means a lot. Uh, You are a fan. (laughs) 
The Lions are. Mean Joe, too. The Lions are an underrated candidate here. They always have great throwbacks. The Chargers are just downright withholding, and I don't right. get it. But the un- they don't like it because that ownership does not like what everybody else on the face of the earth likes, the powder blue. And by the way, I say it all the time, too. The Fouts era one is great, too, with the gold yeah, pants and the, and the navy hat by the is way, also if, a nice If they're going to make a change, they should just go back to being the San Diego Chargers as well. You really? Are, you? I don't I'm, know why you have such a axe to grind with them leaving San Diego. Because I like San Diego. I like it too, but this is going to be fun for us, and the Chargers are going to be a better viewing opportunity for us in 2017 than the Rams, I suspect. For sentimental reasons, get rid of those clownish Cincinnati Bengals there uniform go. and go back to the 70s. Sometimes mm. less is more, and that orange hat that just says Bengals on it looks just terrific. The kind of black uniform shirts, too. It was the, a good look. The jerseys are, are just dynamite. They, I, I don't love them on the road, though. That's the only problem with those old Bengals uniforms, that all white with yeah, the orange that's, hat on that's top. that's fair. Looks a little uh, highlighter with the uh, cap off to me. But uh, um, here's an underrated one for you. The Cardinals. Go back. Do yourself a favor. Mm. Look up the yeah. old Cardinals. They literally would wear a dark red jersey with white numbers right. and nothing else. There was yeah. no, there was there wasn't a single stripe no frills on, those on there. Was there? Yeah. Oh, it was just terrific the Tim, with the, the Tim white. Rosenbach era. You're going to. Oh yeah, went all the way back beyond <laughs> that. Yeah, Jim Hart and everything. The all white, clean as the day is, long hat with just the red bird head sitting there. Yep. Terrific. I would like to, you know, the Dolphins, Most in most cases, I know I get accused by younger people of like, you just want it to be like what it was when you were a kid. Eh, probably. Uh, maybe I'm guilty of that a little bit. But the best, and, and here's another one, the Seattle Seahawks. The best Seahawks get up ever was their first one, yep. the black shoes and the silver hats. Um, I hope this is compelling in an audio podcast, <laughs> us talking People can about use it. their minds to imagine. The, I don't uh, know because it's a weird thing to me, as I always say, that it is uh, there. I think it really is like a 50-50 split of sports fans who care about uniforms, and there's no in-between like, yeah, I don't know. I kind of – I could tell you. People either hate uniform discussion or they love it. I don't understand the, the former group, though. How could anybody watch – football for three hours every Sunday, watch sports day after day, year after year, and have no opinion on what they're looking at. That doesn't impact you, the colors and everything else. Like, oh, I don't even notice it. What do you mean you don't notice it? What are you looking at then? What, uh, what do you mean? Are you, you're that lacking a power of observation that you have no opinion on this? It also drives me crazy when people walk into a room who are diehard sports fans, allegedly. They walk in, they look at the TV, they watch for a couple minutes, and they say, where's this game being played? You can't tell by what you're looking at on the TV? You're right, that is annoying. You can't tell by the stadium. There are any number of tells that will indicate to you what the fact is with this. Right. The look of the field, the little box, the one on the bottom is the home team, always. The team in the white jerseys, if you're watching basketball or baseball, that's the home team. I mean, makes me makes me loco. All right. Do you want to call anyone specific out for that? All right. What? Do I want to call anybody? Anyone specific out about about doing that? It seems like that's yes, fresh I'll tell in you your one. mind. Tell me who, who did that to you. Cousin Sal. Okay. He's one of these people. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Well, he, he knows where the game's being played, but he will say, like, why do you care about it? Yeah, who cares about the uniform? Why, who cares? How? Who doesn't care is my question. It's enough to make me not root for a team, and I mean that. I cannot like you because your uniform is, is too hideous for my eyes. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Right. Yeah, I can't embrace what – I can't embrace a team. I have dignity, sir. I, I, you know, I have standards, and you're not living up to them. 
Um, we're getting to Doug Farrar now. Is he ready to go? Oh, we're going to – okay, we're going to get him on the line in one second. Should I – real quick, though, because I would love to hear um, Wes's opinion on this. We have been um, – oh, I forgot something else I wanted to mention. On Friday, I'm filling in for uh, Rich Eisen on uh, the Ooh, Rich Eisen fancy. show. That's right, handsome. I think uh, Chris Wessing will know the name of uh, one of our guests that we've lined up uh, from around the NFL, Dan Hanzoos. Oh, big get by big you. Big get, yeah. Right. How did you book him? Um, I uh, it, it took. A, I'm glad we had a little bit of uh, runway so that we could, uh, you know, so we could book him through his yep. people, and we were able to do that. So I'm excited about that. But uh, also, we have uh, the best position group of all time. Tournament is rounding down to the, or it's in the championship round now. We started with 32 NFL position groups from all time. We are now left with nothing but the Green Bay Packers quarterbacks. They are Star, Favre, Rodgers, and Dickey is the fourth. He's the weak link there, but still a pretty good uh, triumvirate in front of him. And the San Francisco 49ers QBs, Montana, Steve Young, John Brody, Y.A. Tittle, Wes, cast your vote. This is so close that I could see reasonable minds taking different paths. I think that Y.A. Tittle, John Brody, whichever one you want in the four slot is that much better than Lynn Dickey that I would give the edge to the 49ers. You want me to go Magic Man instead of Dickey? No. That would be wrong. But no, no. I, I wouldn't go Magic Man. I just – John Brody was an MVP and I believe one of the better two-sport stars. That's right. Played great. on the senior yeah. golf tour. Very nice, Wes. Um, Very nicely and Y.A. Tittle played into his late 30s as an MVP caliber, caliber player. I got I to gotta go 49ers. Well done. I like the analysis. Handsome. Uh, You're staying Packers. I'm staying right? Packers. But if you want to bring Magic Man and the poster from the 80s of him being the Magic Man. I'll, and his I'll mullet. That, his mullet. And there, wasn't there, a, there was a great uh, poster of him. I'm going to make a prediction. Did anyone in this room have a mullet? If they did, I'm going to guess it was Chris Wessling. Never had a mullet. No. Never had Crocs and never had a mullet. <laughs> that sounds Shut like the up. first line in your new uh, hip hop single. So I'm like, never had Crocs, never had a mullet. <laughs> uh, all right, let's uh, let's uh, get uh, Doug Farrar Bleacher Report Packers. We're gonna we'll tell you. Go ahead and vote. Or the vote's over. Is that right? I have news to report. Breaking news: the vote is over. Congratulations. Green Bay Packers quarterbacks, you are the champion, the greatest single position group for one franchise in NFL history. Now we might have to expand it to all the sports and see how the Lakers centers mm. do, how the Pittsburgh Penguins centers do. In the meantime, let's jump in to uh, to this cap conversation, and who knows, maybe some other who in nonsense. A guy who is a great Twitter follow. He, I will warn you though, if you're one of these uh, weirdos who says stick to sports, well. Uh, no justice for you coming from uh, from Doug Farrar. You can follow him at BR underscore Doug Farrar. That's F-A-R-R-A-R. Great uh, X and O football guy who is now ready to take on one Chris Wessling. Like I said at the top of the show, one of these guys feels like Cap's ready to go as an NFL starter. The other one does not buy that noise. Here he is over my shoulder joining us on Skype here. It's Doug Farrar. What's happening, man? How's it going, guys? 
It's going well. Yes, you are a man of many interests. You like to weigh in on uh, on our political climate. You like to talk uh, pro football, and you're a big music guy. And we can see behind you, for those listening, we can see uh, a guitar and uh, assorted uh, football and music books behind you. Yeah, there are six actual guitars in my little office here too. So is that right? And a tambourine up there over the right shoulder. Yeah. There you go. So, all right, let's get into I'll it. To bust that little tambourine solo in between. Tapes. Right, yeah. If you could, that would be great. <laughs> and and, uh, and maybe we can uh, weigh in on uh, the state of uh, the uh, the uh, what's going on in D.C. in a little bit here. Doug, not shy about sharing his opinions, and uh, I uh, I happen to think they're marvelous. But let's talk about pro football now. And the high. Oh, this is pseudo political because it's a story that started. In front of the regular season, Colin Kaepernick taking a knee during the national anthem. Some people throwing their arms up in hysteria. How dare he? Disrespectful to our troops. Well, that's not what he's trying to do at all, people. So uh, so your misread on this isn't reason for you to uh, have him kicked out of pro football for all the time. Anyhow, you say, Doug, first of all, where do you come down on the political side of this? Do you think that there is some – franchise to franchise or do you buy this stuff that there's 10% or 40% of NFL franchises that don't want Kaepernick on the on the roster be, for for these political reasons or distractions you know it's really hard for me to comment on something that fractious because it it, it equates to it amounts to collusion and collusion is very difficult to prove i've not talked to any executives about this that have told me uh, i'm going to make an example out of Colin Kaepernick to make sure that other players are not as politically active as my BR colleague Mike Freeman has reported. But I've known Mike for a good decade, and when he's done three stories about this in the last eight or so months, I tend to think there's some fire behind that smoke. And If that's so- true, though, the first word that comes to mind is hypocritical. I mean, by the way, and I'm not trying to cast a negative light on him, and uh, quite the opposite. But Malcolm Jenkins and some other Eagles guys did uh, did a protest of their own. Kaepernick actually started a a wave among pro football players. It's not like he's the only guy out there at this point who's who's taking this stance. Well, if you read, I mean, what what Mike's reported speaking to a number of anonymous coaches and executives and owners, it's not so much the political beliefs. It it seems to center specifically and explicitly around his refusal to respect the flag. There's something about that that reportedly, allegedly, sets a lot of people off. Wes, that's pretty misguided stuff when that's not the intent anyway. I think we all, to borrow a phrase from you, park our cars in the same garage on this issue. I think, first of all, everyone fails to appreciate the universal symbol of kneeling a sign of fealty and respect to a to a symbolic flag. It, it it's hard for me to take seriously people who hold him in in disrepute for that. Do I think that a guy like Bob McNair, who has George W. Bush in his owner's box to watch the game, doesn't want him peering down at Colin Kaepernick kneeling during the national anthem? I believe that's probably one of the reasons why the Texans haven't signed Colin Kaepernick. I believe it's probably one of the reasons why the Hmm. New York Jets have not signed him. Woody Johnson being a big Trump guy, I believe those two instances specifically, it's probably a factor. But is that collusion? In no way is that collusion. Right. I mean, I don't don't think there are people – I don't think there's the owner is ordering his staff, like, don't do this. I think it's more all of us have bosses and you know how to – 
like be good to your boss and your boss is going to be good back to you, you're probably thinking, I don't want to do that because I don't want to have to have that conversation with the guy who, who ultimately signs my checks. It's funny because, Wes, you just hit on something that's exactly right that that, that has emerged over the last six months or 18 months, actually since Trump uh, moved into the White House. There's this weird conflation of patriotism and fealty. Where do we, I don't know where, where what where do you think you're living now, Americans who who uh, balk at the, at uh, negative uh, opinions on the president? Where, where do you it's think you are? First, it's one of the first building blocks of an authoritarian. Right. Yes. It's, it's it's page three of the Steve Bannon playbook, and I'll just leave it there. One All of right. the most underrated things about being an adult, you can cut idiots out of your life. <laughs> I mean, you just don't have to deal with them if you don't want to. You taught me about that block bust. Uh, oh, bo- the block, block button, button is, is look. Oh, just because technology allows someone to be in my life doesn't mean I want them there. Right. Treat it like your living room. <laughs> That's right. And as a side note, as I've said before too, who decided it was a great idea to to be available to the rest of the word, world twenty four hours a day? I'd like to. I want to block the world. It's great because you can I, I can hit you up on your cell phone whenever I want. Well, I don't want you to contact me all the time. Switch it off. Leave me alone. Switch it off. Anywho, let's talk about uh, Colin Kaepernick, the pro football player. And Doug Farrar, we'll start with you. I was intrigued when I saw at the start of this week that you had broken down a lot of tape. Unlike me, you know, talking, uh, you know, out of where Jay Cutler likes to show on camera um, to his wife. You know, like you, you actually sat down. I could have done without that, by the way. <laughs> he looks in game shape, right? I I have no comment. Farrar doesn't know about that. All right, let's, let's see. What did you learn watching the tape of uh, Colin Kaepernick? I think a couple of things have happened to Kaepernick in the last in the last say three seasons. From and, and there's there's really B, C, and A, D. There's pre Harbaugh and post Harbaugh, or the Harbaugh era and the post Harbaugh era. Um, in 2014, which was the last year Harbaugh was there, last half of the season, they decided, you know, we're going to make him more of a pocket quarterback. But there was still the element of read option, and I want to delineate here between read option as in this is where the defense is and I'm going to react to it versus designed quarterback runs, which the 49ers actually implemented quite a bit last year under Chip Kelly. Um, I think a a couple of things have happened. Per per pro football focus stats, in the last couple years, Kaepernick has used play action about half as much as he had in – the Harbaugh era, and he's throwing deep about half as much. They're trying to turn him into a quarterback he's not. And I think when you talk about Colin Kaepernick, the football player, you have to be very specific about what he is and what he isn't. This isn't a scheme-transcendent guy. This isn't Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. This isn't a guy that you could put on any team and he would immediately elevate that team. He's not even a Russell Wilson in that regard. But to say that you have to retrofit an offense to him. There's elements of truth to that, but I think it's a, it, it's a bit of a canard and it's been taken so far out of the element of what is real. And that's sort of what had me going back to the tape going, oh, okay, well, what, what, what actually can he do? Because one of the things I learned from, uh, I know we all know Greg Cosell and, and the, the film god, Greg told me this about eight years ago, and it always stuck with me. When you're evaluating quarterbacks, you have to isolate them as much as possible. 
You take them out of their scheme, they're great or crappy receivers, they're great, better in different offensive line, and you isolate skill set. And what I saw with Kaepernick was a guy who, in certain schemes, could be highly successful. Others, not so much. So is he scheme transcendent? No. Where I come down on it after watching a ton of tape, good and bad, from 2016, and then going back to the offense with Harbaugh, I think this is a player who is probably in the top 25 of current quarterbacks. And when people say, oh, well, 16 touchdowns and four interceptions, it doesn't matter because he was always throwing short. Well, no, he wasn't always throwing short. And by the way, he threw 14 touchdowns and two picks in the pocket last year per ESPN stats and info. So we can throw the he's not a pocket guy. They've actually turned him into too much of a pocket guy. And I think he needs a change of scenery, but in no way do I think he's done. In no way do I think he can only fit in one system. I think he just needs, he needs as, I mean, and I point this out in the article, if I hear system quarterback one more time, every quarterback is a system quarterback for goodness sake. It's just matching the player to the system. So where I come down on it, short version, he is one of the 32 best quarterbacks currently drawing any interest from the NFL. And do I think there's more to it than he stinks? Yeah. Hmm. Do I know what that is? No. But when you look at the tape, I find it hard to believe that he's not signed, just based on that alone. Football only, Wes. How say you? By and large, I think Doug and I, this is going to upset you and and Bartlett with your Don King uh, presentation of the show today. (laughs) But by and large. Yeah, where was the fight bell? Ding, ding. That's what we needed, that kind of stuff. All right. We're not going to embrace the bay. Oh, no. By and large, I agree. You're talking about a quarterback who is between 25 and 32, probably among NFL starters. In no way does it surprise me that he's unsigned three weeks into free agency. Ryan Fitzpatrick fell into that range last year and waited till July. Jay Cutler falls into that range now and is unsigned. I, it, to me, it in no way surprised me. You have to factor in what his asking price is. And Ron Rivera came out at the owners' meetings and, and said about him, this is a quarterback with a big asking price. We know that. That To me, if that's the – you know, if Kaepernick is saying, no, no, I'm holding out for a starting gig and, uh, you know, and for this dollar figure and all that, if that is in fact the case, then that is probably what's uh, – or contributing at least to him still being out. Most of the conversation around this issue has been incredibly oversimplified and it's agenda-driven by people on both sides, people like Sarah Palin, who somehow wanted to simplify this into giving charity to Meals on Wheels was a bad thing because he's just looking for publicity, which is incredibly agenda-driven and just downright stupid. By and the then, way, is there anything that Sarah Palin hasn't simplified? <laughs> and there are other people on the other side who want to oversimplify it and say because Josh McCown has signed and Colin Kaepernick hasn't, he's being blackballed. One has right. nothing to do with the other. Right. It's a lot of oversimplifying, and the one area where I would take issue with Doug's, uh, what he got out of the film, you could have a drinking game if you put on NFL Game Pass, and you would take about two shots the entire season for every time he threw outside the numbers and down the field. Well, but that's weird, though, to me, because you talk about 
how Jim Harbaugh and those Niners, when they had their nice little run going, the thing that he would do that was uh, that was uh, diabolical when was when he would hit uh, uh, Vernon Davis deep up the seam. There, I mean, it, it, that uh, that was he can just hit devastating. The, he can hit the seam. He'll hit yeah. your tight end down the seam. He's he, there's one pass I believe to Quentin Patton where he went deep that stands yep. out because it's it's the only one you see. <laughs> but there's no wide receivers going deep, and that. You have to be honest and say their wide receivers were terrible. Right. They have a slot receiver who was pretty decent in Jeremy Curley. So it's not a surprise that Chip Kelly wants to limit things to the middle of the field. But it's also – you've been watching Colin Kaepernick for four or five years. There's not a worse throw in the NFL than Colin Kaepernick trying to hit a sideline pass. All right. Broad stroke. Well, I I have a lot of different directions I can go with you guys. But uh, to Doug – yeah, go ahead, Doug. I actually – I I agree with Chris here. Uh, You won't see him run outside the pocket make those deep throws – and I would argue that that is, to a large degree, systemic. I, I think it's this, you know, because if you watch him go outside the pocket, it's either a first read open thing, get the ball to the guy right away. And it's interesting, it, it, it's because given Kaepernick's skill set, you'd think they'd want to do what Seattle does with Russell Wilson, which is creating plays out of chaos. I've talked to Seattle's coaches about this. They have elements in their playbook where it's basically we design chaos. If Russ rolls right, the receivers go this way. I've talked to Doug Baldwin ad nauseum about following the quarterback. And the Niners have designed runs, and there are times when Kaepernick is told to bail if the pressure is too bad. But there isn't really that orchestrating big plays out of chaos and, and you know, they're not running play action. They're not drawing the defense in. It is, I mean, it's an offense that would work for a Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, but it's not an offense that works for Kaepernick because he was so good at, okay, well, let's roll right and see what's open, you know, ha- draw the defense into him. Someone's going to be open because someone has blown his assignment to deal with the chaos and so much of what happened in the Harbaugh era was capitalizing on that. So I agree completely, and I would say that to a large extent it is systemic. You know this, I'm sure, because how close you are to the Seahawks, and you've talked to their coaches. When yep. I talked to Daryl Bevel at the Super Bowl, what's the difference between Russell Wilson and other running quarterbacks? Why is he so much better? And he repeated this three or four times, decision-making. Mm-hmm. And Kaepernick doesn't make decisions at the same level as Russell Wilson makes decisions at an exceptional level, not only when to pass, when to run, when to turn his body to get away from pressure. All of these things Russell Wilson does at an exceptional level and Colin Kaepernick does not. I hear you on that. But I will say, too, that Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger all thrive in the uh, in the some some version of chaos or they're some of their they transcend what the what the playbook says and so it's fascinating that all I I guess it goes back to the vanity that we talk about a lot here that offensive coordinators have that and that's what that's what so much at all coaches have well what well that's you know I've talked to some patriots and patriot the, the thing that it's predicated on that they do year after year why does it work why doesn't everybody do what the patriots do because they build everything on that that uh, that the QB, the opposing QB, won't be able to help himself. He'll have to try and force that throw. The whole just do your job, just only be this two-dimensional thing, and just do, and they'll screw up on their end, and we'll win a tight game. It seems funny to me that so maybe based on that, if you buy that logic, that the vanity of the offensive coordinator doesn't allow him to say 
Well, just go out there and make a play. Go make a sandlot play. But that's basically what you're getting at. And if you have that transcendent ability, just in broad, isolate the guy, as Doug says. Isolate the quarterback. Is Josh McCown better at anything in football than uh, than Colin Kaepernick? Literally, I, I ask that question. Yes. He's more accurate is going to be your answer, right? He's more accurate. I think he, he has a much better touch on his football. And he can make throws down the sideline, which Kaepernick can't make. But the counter to that is, and Doug, also correct taking, me if I'm wrong. taking third down sacks and throwing short of the sticks. Kaepernick threw short of the sticks. Let me ninety three out of one hundred and nine times on third downs last year, by far the highest. Okay, rate. that's a lack of yeah, right. Okay, that's a that lack. That could of be systemic too, as, as Doug would say. That could be systemic. I get that, but also my counter to that is when people want to argue with me about you just don't get it, Dave. You know, you need someone who's in control and disciplined and everything else. Josh McCown ain't taking a team to a Super Bowl. He's not going to win a Super Bowl, and neither is Ryan Fitzpatrick, and neither is Brian Hoyer. Colin Kaepernick is a throwaway from winning a Super Bowl. Sure. Surely you want the more talented option Peyton Manning on your was an roster. MVP candidate when Colin Kaepernick was a throwaway from the Super Bowl. I mean, that's four years in the NFL is a lifetime. All right, but but you understand my point, yes, Doug? Don't you want a guy who's who's the more physically gifted guy at the most important position on the field? Kyle Muller. <laughs> I mean, ideally you want both, and then you have to sort of reduce it and say, okay – we don't have Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is not, you know, walking through that door. And then you have to make, uh, you know, the first time I talked But you're to putting Cam- a ceiling on your team's chances when you well, say our guy is Josh McCown. You are announcing we ain't going to win the Super Bowl this year. I could not agree with you more. They, In fact, you could even take the position, as Dan Hansis would say, loves the Josh McCown signing because it helps you get the number right. one pick in the that's 2018 right. draft. And if well, that's your goal – it might not be Todd Bowles' goal, but it could be somebody higher up. But, I mean, I think we can agree there, there, are, there are probably only 15 quarterbacks out there that could win you the Super Bowl anyway. So it's not just Josh McCown. It's, it's a bunch of other guys that are starting for teams that, frankly, don't have a shot at winning a Super Bowl. Well, I guess this takes me back to Colin Kaepernick is a throwaway. Jay Cutler played in the NFC title game. Now, these are on good teams. And when people say, well, that's because the roster was really good. You know who wins the Super Bowl? You know the quarterbacks who win the Super Bowl? You know what their rosters are? They're all good. They're not the, the only halfway decent player on their team. The The closest we've seen in our lives to, to, to mediocre to poor rosters – playing above their heads for any amount beyond one season is the 80s Broncos with John Elway. Those those rosters had no business playing in Super Bowls except for number seven happen, happening to be on those teams. I hear your point, Hanson, but, but right – I mean, I, you say top 25, but I like the idea – if you're the Houston Texans – what is the solution to their quarterback situation in 2017 if Tony Romo does retire? It may or may not be Kaepernick. Um, because there are a couple of complicating factors here. Number one, Kaepernick is not, how can I put this in a way that he's not an alpha. Um, and that can be really good for some coaches. Other coaches want more of an alpha. The first time I talked to Kaepernick, what is his, um, his senior bowl, really eloquent guy, very, very smart. And as I've watched him go through his career, I mean, when Harbaugh was in there, he didn't talk at all. He didn't say a word. We would have conference calls with him in Seattle, and he, you know, yes, no. Um, and then he he finally sort of broke out of that. But I, I laugh uproariously when people say that he has problems with authority. It's almost too much the inverse. He's had he succeeded under three coaches in his life: Chris Alt at Nevada, 
Jim Harbaugh in San Francisco, Chip Kelly in San Francisco. I mean, it succeeded. They went 2-14. and 14. Yeah, 16 touchdowns and four picks with a roster that was circling the drain thanks to five bad drafts. What do those three coaches have in common? They're all autocrats. Hmm. They are all absolute mega alphas. And I think Kaepernick, not only in his – and this is where I'm going to dime store psychology, so this could be a bit weird – but not only in his actual physical play – but in his not mental acuity, not reading of the game, but the way he prefers to process things and, and sort of prefers to live his life, he would be better off with a coach who sort of had everything under control, like Alt did, like Harbaugh did. To me, that's as important to him as the roster. So is that Bill O'Brien? Maybe, maybe not. Is that, you know, in. You, the I, guy, he's I, not the head coach, but you want a disciplinarian. Wes and I have talked about this over the last couple of weeks. Great landing spot for Colin Kaepernick, Jacksonville. That would be a good spot for him. Coughlin with what should be a really tough defense. And to your point, if you have that, we need a couple special plays. We need something that uh, gets some points on the board. That's the situation Kaepernick thrived in in San Francisco. Go to the exact opposite end of the continental U.S. and maybe yeah, Jacksonville's the place. Coughlin's not the coach. What no, I'm I know. About, but I, I, in Walt's case and in Harbaugh's case and in Kelly's case, this is the head coach and the guy who deals in a larger general sense with the quarterbacks. So would that be Bill O'Brien? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe that would be a good fit. I mean, I posited in the article we're talking about that the best fit for him would be Seattle. But he'd have yeah. to take a lower ball deal, and he'd have to accept the fact that it's a backup situation. Until well, further. pie in the sky, as I've said yeah. before as a Steelers fan. What I would love for him to be is the Steelers' backup. You talk about a change of pace. Wait, Roethlisberger got hurt? Deal with this guy now. He wouldn't I, wear seven would be the only question. We I, I think figure it, that out, it's but. a fair criticism that not enough coaches are willing to take a backup quarterback who runs a different offense because some teams do, and you can't sit there and say all 32 teams don't want this or want this. Some teams are willing to do it. Derek Anderson and Cam Newton don't run the same offense. Mm-hmm. They don't right. have the Did same skill set. Last year when Brady was suspended and they played the Texans and they bought, brought Jacoby Brissett out there and ran like yep. you know, college 101 it, re-option and the Texans had no idea what to do. If you remember Kaepernick's That's, first, yeah. Kaepernick's breakout performance was against the Jets when they brought him in in place of Alex Smith and he ran all over that Jets defense whenever that was, 2000. 13. Last thing as we wrap up the show, uh, Doug, uh, I start with you on this. Where, How does this thing look right now if uh, Kaepernick elevates that pass by an extra foot in the Super Bowl in New Orleans, Crabtree catches it, and uh, the Niners win that uh, Super Bowl? How different is, is uh, everything right now? Well, it depend, I mean, if you have that power struggle, and, and I would argue sometimes winning a Super Bowl actually accelerates a power struggle. Hmm. But the power struggle between Balky and Harbaugh and York, I don't know how much of an alternate history you write. I mean, if the Niners win that Super Bowl, you still have Harbaugh most likely leaving, and you still have a situation where, it, for whatever reason, you have Tom Sula, and that was ridiculous. And then Kelly comes in, and we're thinking, oh, maybe this will work. Um, I don't really know how different it would be, except that Colin Kaepernick would be a guy who may or may not be blackballed with a Super Bowl ring. Hmm. To me, that's the difference. Uh, then the story might uh, get a little bit of heat. Oh, wait, it's already getting a lot of heat. Wes, what do you think? <laughs> I prefer the what if. He showed a modicum of foresight last year, accepted a pay cut to play with the Broncos, played on a Super Bowl champion with a great defense, and never goes through any of this. 
I mean, maybe he still has a national anthem protest in Denver, but his career is probably in a much different place if he showed a little bit of foresight last year. By the way, that's another conversation that we had uh, earlier in the week. But what happened to John Elway's infatuation with Kaepernick a year ago? Now he's going to go with uh, Simeon or uh, or Lynch. And by the way, that's a that's I like... wouldn't sign Kaepernick if he wouldn't take a pay cut to play for me last year. I see. Take a hike, buddy. I see. I see. see. You're saying Elway, a little cross with him about that. Hey, Doug Farrar, uh, good fun. Um, Wish we could dip into some music talk and more politics and everything else. Uh, Tambourine solo. Oh, yeah, tambourine solo. You (laughs) want to shake the tambourine real quick to say goodbye to the show? I'll say that for next time. Okay, good. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, Track him down at BR underscore Doug Farrar. Great stuff from you. Great stuff from you, Chris Wessling. Handsome Hank, you were here too. Thanks. No, you were terrific as well. Everybody (laughs) behind the glass. Good times here, and uh, they continue to roll on. On the Rich Eisen Show on Friday, plus be on the lookout. Handsome and I answering five questions on Snapchat coming this weekend for you. Make sure you sign up for that. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, You're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You ever get the feeling the city walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating your soul? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe chase some elk, fish a private stream. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there, and finding your own piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, location, the kind of hunting or fishing you dream of. Land.com. It's where the adventure begins.